Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Man, Blinken's testimony is not going the way he wanted it to go. He didn't want to go. He's there testifying about the withdrawal of Afghanistan, which everybody in America knows was a mess. You literally have to be an MSNBC host to think that everything went fine, or Michael Moore. Did you hear Michael Moore? He said the withdrawal from Afghanistan happened with grace. That's why you can't listen to people like him. It's just a shame that we know his name, this this film director. The grace and precision and safety of Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal. What's it like to be wrong on everything and still get paid? The guy has made millions, millions. He supports Cuba's uh, medical system. He thinks that Afghanistan was grace and precision. That's just, that is madness. But he's not the only one. He's just emblematic of a group of people who are so ideological they can't see straight and you can't let these people run the country. Just so we are all understanding each other, Michael Moore is a despicable, ignorant person who shouldn't be allowed a driver's license. I would call him names to his face. That's the kind of disdain I have for him. Now, really, I would just turn the other way and not bother myself. Because who needs that in their life, right? You got you to gotta have yourself a standard and say, I am not lowering myself to talk to that yutz. But that he has an audience is why I got to bring it up to say, dear Lord, exactly how hateful are you that you can look at the murder of 13 U.S. service members, look at leaving Americans behind and say, this withdrawal was done with grace and precision. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you guys. 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. I am not making the argument that mistakes didn't happen, that we didn't do uh, create issues for ourselves in Afghanistan. Over the last 15 years, we got to be honest about those things. But this withdrawal, that's all Biden. It was all horrible. So Anthony Blinken appears via Zoom yesterday. Oh, that's a hot mess. And today he shows up. And man, he just wants to be at all about Trump. We actually, it's its going on. So let, let's bring you a little bit of it right now. Who's asking the questions right now, Producer Ari? I don't know, some random dude. Oh, we love random dudes. Let's uh, let us listen real quick. Copies, this is uh, Anthony you. Blinken answering the questions of Secretary of State from uh, this, uh, this committee. We hear in which the Office of Foreign Asset Controls issues a general license creating kind of legal insulation providing humanitarian assistance. Um, Will, are you engaged in a conversation about how to create a legal pathway to provide humanitarian assistance? Uh, yes, we are. We've, we've issued one initial license, as you know. Uh, the Treasury issued uh, uh, about 10 days ago. Uh, and we're looking at what other authorities uh, might be needed to make sure that humanitarian assistance can flow uh, as, best, uh, as best possible in Afghanistan. Great. Thank you. That's absolutely essential. I think we, we have a significant responsibility. We have the the chaos of, of, of war in combination with the, the pandemic uh, and general disruption in the country and, and uh, its immoral responsibility to provide assistance. I'm going to ask to enter for the, to the record the letter from September 2nd that the senators and members of the House sent to the administration. Without objection. Thank you. Uh, so as provincial capital started to, to fall and we had nine provincial capitals fall in six days. There was a lot of discussion about whether the government of Afghanistan would direct a reconsolidation of forces 
uh, to uh, essentially consolidate protection of the territory still held, which was a, a shrinking. Did, did the government of Afghanistan take key strategic military decisions to consolidate its, its forces? It did not, and this was a source of tremendous frustration across the uh, administration from the uh, president uh, on down as the summer uh, went on, and uh, we saw the, uh, the Taliban uh, moving across the country. Uh, we repeatedly pressed the, uh, the Afghan government to do just what you described, which is to consolidate its forces and to defend what was uh, essential to defend uh, and what could be defended, not to extend itself across the entire country, which Here's it didn't you asked the Afghan government to do this, but you didn't provide them with the ability to do it because you very probably trained them wrong. And I wouldn't say that's the fault of Antony Blinken. But it would be the fault not to recognize that if you take away the air support and take away their ability to engage their own air support, they're not going to be able to do anything. Now, this is the, the Senate asking the, the, the questions right now. I know Senator Ron Johnson has been all over um, uh, Anthony Blinken, Senator Ron Johnson of, of Wisconsin, saying that you are, you're basically completely detached from reality, and he is uh, detached from reality. Here's just part of their exchange. So let me just, I've got a number of questions. First of all, approximately, what is the dollar value of the equipment that's been left behind that now the Taliban controls? What's the dollar value of that? Uh, Senator, I believe the uh, equipment provided uh, over the last uh, 20, well, a little less than 20 years, 15 years, was about uh, $80 billion. Uh, of that equipment that, re that remains, as you know, it was given uh, some I, I, I over the Afghan security forces, and of course, uh, some of that is now in the hands of the Taliban. So, so, so I was $80 billion, and of course, in the hands of the Taliban. I mean, that's, that's a bad showing, people. That's a bad showing from Anthony Blinken, that his commentary is based on this just, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? He do, it's, it's as if he doesn't understand what it is that has happened here. He doesn't understand it at all. I mean, this is the Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey. In the world must bear witness and hold the Taliban accountable. Let me turn to the focus of today's hearing. Mr. Secretary, the execution of the U.S. withdrawal was clearly and fatally flawed. This committee expects to receive a full explanation of the administration's decisions on Afghanistan since coming into office last January. There has to be accountability. We will have other hearings to develop a set of lessons learned over the course of the war to understand the many mistakes made over the course of 20 years. The diversion of attention and resources when the Bush administration decided to invade Iraq despite its irrelevance to the 9-11 attacks. The double dealing by Pakistan in providing a safe haven to the Taliban, and the list goes on. We need to understand why successive administration made so many of the same mistakes repeatedly. Now, I got to tell you, I don't think anybody has an objection to that, do they? Actually wanting to know what is going on. When you look, when you engaged yesterday and you watched Blinken yesterday, you know, what, what was the point of all this? I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into what's the point of, of, of all this, the importance of having... This, this, these kinds of hearings, this, this testimony 
if, if only because you know there's there's something to be said for uh, what what people say on the record. If you ask the people at MSNBC and and Congressman Meeks, uh, well, he'll tell you what he he thought uh, was going on. Meeks, the chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Congressman, I know you agree. This is a hugely important hearing. You were in charge of it, and it was a mess. I know you tried to keep it under control. Republicans predictably attacking Secretary Blinken, but Democrats as well, not attacking him, but no one was asking short, concise questions with follow-ups. Do you really make do you really think yesterday made the American people better and smarter on such an important topic? Yeah, I think that if you listen to um, the answers that Secretary Blinken uh, gave, uh, and if you listen to the questions that most of the Democrats asked, it was laying the foundations of what uh, the realities were on the ground and why certain decisions were made, when they were made, or were not made uh, at, at any given time. Uh, unfortunately, on the Republican side, uh, it was more of just the yelling and the screaming and trying to get uh, a soundbite uh, on uh, for, uh, for television, uh, as opposed to dealing with the facts and the circumstances of what has led up to where we are today. And you cannot uh, make an analysis of where we are today without looking at uh, the entire 20 years. That is completely untrue. However, sound bites, ooh, that's... That's true. I'll get into that. But let us not allow people like Representative Meeks to even pretend to have a rational or cogent argument there. The issues of the last 20 years would be one thing. How we trained these fighters, how we have dealt with the situation would be one thing. The withdrawal is completely the fault of Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken and Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley. Completely. And if you want to defend that, Representative Meeks, you're more than welcome to. How sad and pathetic, but you are welcome to. You cannot defend the indefensible. And that is where the difference between the rational and the irrational mind lay. Speaking of the rational and the irrational mind, COVID has clearly taken us down this road of the rational and the irrational mind. There was a story. There is a story that I wanted to get to, but Rand Paul is now asking questions of Blinken. Do you mind if I put my thoughts on hold and get to Senator Paul? Let's hear Senator Rand Paul asking well, Anthony Blinken. The Taliban has a history of taking this. Throughout their governance, they would take the money. This was a big complaint we had when they were in power the last time. They now have $80 billion worth of weapons, 350,000 automatic weapons. Do we really, are we really naive enough to believe that we're just going to keep sending charity to Afghanistan and they're not going to interrupt it? I think that's a foolish notion. The $64 million, though, is the tip of the iceberg. There's still about $10 billion out there that was designated for the Afghan government. Can you pledge today, without equivocation, that the Biden administration will not release any of this money to the Taliban? Uh, absent the Taliban, making good on the uh, commitments and expectations of the uh, international community that I've outlined uh, previously, that's correct. Maybe we could deduct a fee for the weapons they took. So, uh, Senator, uh, on, the, uh, on the weapons, again, I'll defer to my, my colleagues at the Pentagon who are more expert in this. Uh, you're right that about uh, $80 billion worth of weaponry has been provided over the course of the last 15 or 16 years. 
Uh, much of that, uh, the, the significant weaponry, planes, helicopters, is actually inoperable, will soon become inoperable because it can't be maintained. In terms of the strategic threat that that weaponry poses, uh, it doesn't to us or to Afghanistan's neighbors. But you, but you Clearly, can't say you're not going to give them the money. If they behave, you're going to give them the money. Why don't we subtract the $80 billion from the $10 billion you're going to give them? Then they're minus 70 still. I mean, really, the fact that you're entertaining good behavior that they'll get more money, I think, is a big mistake and a naive notion that we're going to somehow change this Stone Age philosophy by giving them more of our money. We've sunk trillions of dollars over this. This is our chance to have a peace dividend. Let's Let's quit sending good money after bad. The guy the Biden administration droned, was he an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, the administration is, of course, reviewing that, uh, that strike. Uh, and I'm sure that a you know, full assessment will be, will be forthcoming. So you don't know if it was an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, I can't speak to that, and I can't speak to that in this setting in any event. So you don't know or won't tell us? Uh, I, don't, I don't know because we're, we're reviewing it. Well, see, you'd think you'd kind of know before you off somebody with a Predator drone, whether he's an aid worker or he's an ISIS-K. See, the thing is, is this isn't just you. It's been going on for administration after administration. The Obama administration droned hundreds and hundreds of people. And the thing is, is there is blowback to that. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I see these pictures of these beautiful children that were killed in the attack. If that's true, and not propaganda, if that's true, guess what? Maybe you've created hundreds or thousands of new potential terrorists from bombing the wrong people. So you've got to know who you... We can't sort of have an investigation after we kill people. We have an investigation before we kill people. We've got plenty of bombs. We can bomb almost anything we want from anywhere in the world. Maybe we should have bombed the helicopters and the planes that we left behind. I mean, even though you said you didn't know any of this and it was all a surprise, once they took all of our stuff, we should have said you got 20 minutes to get out of it because we're going to blow it all up. Then you would have sent a message of strength. Instead, we bombed somebody who we're not sure whether it was an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative. See, that's not, a, that's not sending a signal of strength. And in the end, there will be more blowback from it. If you killed an aid worker on accident, I mean, do you think we're better off because of that? You really could have acted in a position of strength, but you could have made the basic decision, that the basic fundamental decision that, that really ruined the whole thing for you was a, a military decision to abandon Bagram Air Force Base before, before you left, before the Americans were out. Anybody can argue, and you may have a point that it happened quick, more quickly than we thought it was going to happen. Okay, that's an honest mistake. Still a huge mistake. And when people make judgments, mistakes in the military, they ought to be relieved of their post. But leaving Bagram Air Force Base, I think, is an unforgivable sort of mistake. It's going to be remembered in history. But if you do nothing about it, you leave all these people in place and say, oh, well, we all agreed. It's like, then maybe everybody needs to go. I mean, but really, it was a terrible mistake. But releasing money to the Taliban will add insult to injury. It'll be terrible for the memory of the 13 soldiers who died in the end, who were the final soldiers to die in this war, if you end up giving money to the, the people that, uh, you know, have been ruining the Middle East and Afghanistan for decades. I hope you won't release the money, and I think it'll be a big mistake. Rand Paul, can we please not leave him out of any 2024 conversations? Whoa. Look, I don't talk about 2024 because it's way too early, and no one knows what's going to happen, and you got to win midterms. He's going to be in the mix, guys. His dealings with Fauci, his dealings on this, he has a standard that he has held to, it is attractive to people. Can't be denied. 
But to the point of that drone strike, who did we actually hit? And maybe we didn't hit our intended target because we don't actually have any boots on the ground. We have no intelligence there. No matter what Anthony Blinken says, we don't have the intelligence capability anymore. I'm glad I'm glad we stopped. I, want, I did want to hear what he had to say. Of course Blinken's taking it on the chin. An absolutely horrible day yesterday, and today he wants to pin it all on Trump. But if you ask yourself, you know, what's the point of all of this? Just like that, that MSNBC, Stephanie Rule uh, anchor, what's the point of having these kinds of hearings? Well, I'll get into it because there is a point. I will get into it. I'm Tony Katz. iPhone 13 is going to come out today. New Apple Watch, new AirPods. Eh. I'm trying to figure out what the difference could be between the 12 and the 13. None. It's a scam, dude. The 12's camera, though, is not a scam. The no, camera it's really on this amazing. phone, it's, unre- it's unreal. Yeah. The photos I am able to take. Just absolutely, positively spectacular stuff. Incredible. So the 13, I think, has the, the different chip, but I can't imagine there's really much else to it but they have sold like crazy that could all come to an end so i would be the guy advising just like i have on christmas gifts buy now what oh listen to me carefully you take a look at the shortages people are having all over the place and chip shortages you take a look at the shortages in trucking and you take a look at the shortages in your 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 warehouse spaces if i were you i'm christmas shopping right now oh i understand because the idea that you're going to get anything christmas and that things are going to show up on time zero percent and yes the phone the moments will come where there are no more phones to put on the shelves why would i not believe that the chip shortage that's happening in the automotive world can't have an effect in other places now the automotive world is specific because they didn't keep up with the chips and the chips went to other places But you still have the logistical problems that exist everywhere. Shop now. Shop often. And remember, when you're buying for Tony Katz today, you only have to buy from me. Ari doesn't want anything. Nah, I'm good. He's fine. Let's talk about this COVID study. Oh, and uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez at the Hunger Games. This is Tony Katz today. The amount of political books that I have read written by Bob Woodward equals near zero. They're good. I can't bring myself to find any enjoyment in these people. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. But producer Ari is losing his head, guys. I am. And he may not be wrong. Because he is referencing a CNN article about the latest Bob Woodward Burke. Bob Woodward book and according to sources they were worried that Donald Trump the president of the United States would go rogue so Milley meaning Mark Milley the chairman of the Joint Chiefs took top secret action to protect nuclear weapons now producer Ari has been reading this and screaming in my ear during the break he's been out of his head Are you saying that uh, in this new book, Peril, by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa, 
Are you saying that somebody called Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and said Trump's out of his head, protect the nuclear weapons? Is that what they're saying in the book? Not just somebody. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and there is a transcript of the call. Now, look, guys, I'm, I'm, I, I haven't read it. I haven't read the transcript. We're going to get into this, you know, as, as the days go on. But from f- just off, off the cuff, if the Speaker of the House calls the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and says, don't listen to the President of the United States if he wants to use nuclear weapons, that's treason. Let's hear it. The quote from Pelosi. What I'm saying to you is that if they couldn't stop him from an assault on the Capitol, who even knows what else he may do? And is there anybody in charge at the White House who is doing anything but kissing his fat butt over all of this? Pelosi continued, you know he's crazy. He's been crazy for a long time. Miller responds, man, the speaker, I agree with you on everything. If indeed there was a conversation to keep the president of the United States from being able to act as president of the United States, it's treason. And they should perp walk Nancy Pelosi throughout D.C. like she's Cersei Lannister while we scream shame and throw tomatoes at her. One man's opinion, guys. Literally off the cuff. This is all just coming out right now. Ari screaming in my ear. Oh, that you're right. Like, you can't... that The 25th Amendment events exists for a reason. You can't just decide to go around the procedures. Like, you can't can't just decide to act in collusion against the president of the United States. That's why I called it treason, because it is what it is. Because Pelosi can make the call and General Milley can tell her to go pound sand. You see, that's the right maneuver. But to say I, if, he, if he agreed in any way or accepted the premise in any way, well then, that's a shadow government. And for the people who want to, you know, hate Donald Trump, uh, with, with all due respect to you, just in, the, in this context... Remember, it's a book. We're not sure what what exactly got said. You'd, you'd have to see more and prove more, but we're utilizing it as a general conversation piece. If you want to defend Nancy Pelosi in this, you're trash. Dude, I hate Trump, and I'm telling you Pelosi is trash in this. You just are what you are what you are. Don't defend the indefensible. We're discussing as a concept here. It's just like when you heard from uh, that guy, Anonymous, who turned out to be really a nobody, about, oh, we're keeping things off of Trump's desk. You're keeping things off of Trump's desk? Well, you go to jail for keeping things off of Trump's desk. By the way, if you took a poll right now, you know how many people want things on Trump's desk? They hate Joe Biden. Do not let these people kid you. They hate Joe Biden. And they ain't wrong. Let's get into this COVID study, because this one is terrific. Now, I will say to you right now that this is still a work in progress. It's over from the Atlantic, David Zweig reporting. And it's a study that is not yet peer-reviewed. I believe the term is preprint. But here's what they did. This is them, the Atlantic, looking at researchers at Harvard and at Tufts and the Veterans Affairs Healthcare System who went about looking into how many patients fell into each category. Each category of what? 
how many patients have been admitted to hospitals for COVID and how many patients were admitted to hospitals and later it was found they had COVID. Those are two very different numbers. Because what we are hearing about is the overrunning of hospitals. We've discussed this in depth, and one of the things that is not discussed, one of the things that is not discussed is, is certainly, as, as we know, the comorbidity conversation when people have COVID, but how about RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, that we're seeing people go into hospitals for things that still take up beds and can possibly take up ICUs and possibly take up ventilators, but not necessarily COVID. That is not to say you haven't had a rise in COVID cases. And just because you've had a rise in cases does not mean you've had a rise in deaths. Something else that isn't broken down. How many people are in hospitals and how many people die after being in the hospital, right? The whole uh, moment leads to death as opposed to being, uh, you know, discharged and, and, and you're healthy or you're on your way to being healthy. So they took a look at this. They took a look at the fact that COVID patients um, who were uh, in hospitals with fairly mild symptoms may have been admitted for further observation on account of their comorbidities. Obesity. I, You guys know I do two shows today. I do a morning show. And before every morning show for the past month, month and a half, uh, I mean, I've set up a, a home gym and I work out at home. I don't know if, if watching what has happened has been my, okay, all right, this is it. Or I was just sick and tired of not being able to look good in a suit. I don't know what it was, but like something's working. I don't, and, and my problem is when I talk about it, that usually when it, that's when it ends. But I'm down, I'm down a pant size. I have had to throw out suits. They're too big now. Like you, there's just too much material to try and work with. Um, I, there, there's no... I, I have no secrets. I don't know if what I do works for you. Uh, anybody who tells you they've got the magic bullet or they've got the secret to weight loss is lying through their damn teeth, guys. All of them. Any guy on YouTube, anybody on The Biggest Loser, Dr. Oz, all full of garbage. I have no idea what's going to work for you. I only see results in, in myself. And when I ask myself, well, why now? I mean, my whole life, I've been an overweight guy, a heavy guy. Why? Why now? And one of the things that I point to is because that comorbidity thing is real. I don't care what you think about uh, vaccines. I call them inoculations, anything else. Comorbidities? That's real. Comorbidities lead to problems. And with COVID, it leads to death. Period. Now, many, many people survive COVID. That's the, notice I'm not having that fear conversation. I'm talking when you see people in hospitals, the comorbidity of, of obesity, and whether that's diabetes or hypertension or those other things that come with it, that's the one. So maybe that's just hit me in the, in, in the back of the, uh, of the head. I'm like, all right, I, I, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm doing it. I'm doing, I'm doing the thing. By the way, literally replacing a whole wardrobe. Literally replacing an entire wardrobe. It is, it is nuts nuts so they went about looking at this and studying this here's what they have found for two separate studies published in may doctors in california read through several hundred charts of pediatric patients so kids one by one they read them to figure out why exactly each covid positive child had been admitted to the hospital 
Did they need treatment for COVID or was there some other reason for admission, like cancer treatment or a psychiatric episode? That's how it's written. So was it needed for some one of these other reasons and the COVID diagnosis was merely incidental? And according to the researchers, 40 to 45% of the hospitalizations that they examined were for patients in the latter group. So if somebody came in because they were having issue A, and then while they're there, they were tested, it's like, oh, you have COVID. So now we're labeling them as being in the hospital for COVID when it's not COVID. This is eerily similar to when we were seeing the death certificates come out and everything was saying COVID, and we're like, whoa, 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 that was a heart attack. Well, we don't know if COVID caused the heart attack. Are you kidding me? That guy got killed in a motorcycle accident. You remember that story? Oh, that was a huge, that was out of Florida. Died in a motorcycle accident. COVID. What? Oh, we don't know if COVID caused the motorcycle accident. This is, this is embarrassing. 40 to 45%. Why is that number important? That number is important because it's giving us an after the fact number. The problem is it's being utilized as the fact number. They take that number and say, look at all the people that are in hospitals because of COVID. And the answer is no, 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 no. A little more than half that number is in hospitals because of COVID. The other number is because of something else. And that changes the whole concept, the whole level of dynamics, doesn't it? It changes everything. And the changing of that everything is really the changing of the yelling and the screaming and the fear factoring going on by the administration and by the administration's lackeys in pushing all of this insanity. Right, Dr. Fauci? If we get the overwhelming proportion of the population vaccinated, we will get to herd immunity. If we do it in the next six months, it will happen in the next six months. If we do it in the next two months, it'll happen in the next two months. I would support that if you want to get on a plane and travel with other people, that you should be vaccinated. When you hear us say, should you mandate vaccination for children to be able to attend school? Some people say, oh, my goodness, that would be terrible to do that. But we already do that and have been doing that for decades and decades. Let's get into this fear factor. And we discussed it yesterday. First, vaccines for air travel. Best of luck going to see Meemaw for Christmas. Just, you might want to make other plans, get those tires checked. As for vaccines in schools, there are plenty of parents who still question vaccines. I have never been one who bought into the whole autism conversation. I think that was, that was pretty ugly. But people, when it comes to their kids, they will they will take a, a breath and be like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, explain this again. When it comes to COVID and kids, you can tell me from now until the end of time that it's safe for kids. The proof is in the years. You will see parents adopt the idea of inoculating their kids from COVID in great numbers two to three years from now. And you will see them be very, very cautious about doing so right now. 
And to say to those parents that somehow they're doing their kid wrong or they're hurting their kid or how dare they? And to hear medical professionals want to push a vaccine on children when there has not been enough study, when you have the World Health Organization and we have a a, a myriad of nations say, whoa, on kids, we don't have enough data for that. That's right. I don't believe you do have enough data for that. They now want to talk about vaccinating kids uh, 5 to 11. Oh, they think they got it figured out. Sure. If you want to do that to your kid, I don't get to stop you. But when they start saying, well, if your kid's not vaccinated, they can't go to school. Okay. Fine. Well, what? what you think you think the vaccine's going to make them sterile? No, I, I don't. I've heard that, by the way. I've heard people say those kinds of things. I don't think that at all. I don't know what it's going to do. But I do know there's a difference between the adult who is developed and the child that is developing. So you won't mind if I'm willing to take a little bit of time to ensure that the thing actually does the job. And after a couple years of studying what you've done to your kid, maybe I'll make a decision on what to do with mine. But I'm not going to jump to make a decision with mine because you want to engage force. I'd rather fight you in the streets. Don't be surprised when parents say that. Don't be shocked by this. And if you say, well, why don't you have any faith in it? Well, let's take a look at how the media engages the conversation of children with COVID and then take a look at this study still needs peer review and say if 40% of the cases in hospitals aren't because of COVID but because of, there's something, because of something else, that's far less cases of pediatric COVID cases. Maybe my kid doesn't need it. It only reinforces where I'm at. And you seemingly manipulated the data to lie to me. Well, parents get a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Ari? What's the word I'm looking for when you, when you lie to parents to their face and, and kind of mock them for not doing what you want to do? Um, I can't say that word on radio. Uh, yeah, but that's the word. That's the way they get. They get kind of, uh, they get kind of uppity. Well, we'll use that. And don't be surprised when they get a little uppity right in your face. I don't know why anybody is shocked by this. I'm not even an anti-vax guy. It's really an inoculation. I never have been. I'm not about to start. But kids are not adults. And if you manipulate data to tell people there are more COVID cases amongst pediatric cases than there really are by 40, 45%, parents are going to dig in. And I think they've got a point. I'm Tony Katz. So there's this story out about Facebook. They've got a system called CrossCheck. It's a quality control system for VIP users. And if you're part of CrossCheck, there are no enforcement issues. If you're part of CrossCheck... Anything you post is totally fine. You'll, you even get put into you know, a, a pile of uh, requiring employee reviews, but those reviews never come. That's, that is just perfect. All the animals are equal, but some are more equal than others, man. Great book. That is, eh, never has Orwell been more right, and never have we seen the elitists more on display than Representative Ocasio-Cortez 
at the Met Gala. You've seen the photos everywhere. We got to break it down. I don't want to talk about her, but there's a story here. And the story here is not just being out of touch. It's all those Democratic socialists who think that she's on their side. Don't you get it? It's the grift, man. You're being taken for a ride. Here, let me let me help you through it. Stay right here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today.